How do you take your tea? Arthur Potts Dawson talks teapots, teacups, tea leaves and tea bags with top tea experts Mark Lawson and Giles Oakley of Two Spoons. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. Hi, this is Food FM. My name is Arthur Potts Dawson. Uh, This is episode two of Put the Kettle On. Very lucky to have Mark and Giles here, the creators of Two Spoons a company dedicated to tea, delicious tea, I might add, and their utensils that they use to blend and taste their teas. Hi, Mark. Hi, Giles. Welcome back. Thanks, Thanks. Arthur. Fabulous. Well, we've talked about tea, the plant, the leaves, the bushes, the wood, and what it tastes like, Um, but we're really going to now go into how we drink it. So how do we drink tea? How do we taste tea? And and, and identifying flavour profiles. So perhaps, Giles, I could ask you, what is the method of drinking tea? How do we drink it? I mean, I know we drink it out of a cup, but you know, how do we drink tea? We have hot water, do we steam it? What's the temperature? You know, what are the... Well, it really, it really depends on uh, where you are in the world. But if you start in the UK, I mean, uh, and it's one of the great things about tea, there's a whole load of different ways and lots of different decisions you've got to make. You can drink it, you can make it in a teapot with either tea bags, or loose leaf. You can have green tea, uh, which would typically be drunk without milk. Um, you have black black tea, typically with milk, but often also without milk, depending on, on the tea. Um, then you have to decide uh, the um, type of milk that you use. You know, um, do you use your full fat? Do you use your oatmeal? Other factors are uh, the temperature of the water, because uh, in an ideal world, you would drink your black tea just off a boil, you know, 9,500 degrees. Whereas your green tea, you want to have left that for four or five minutes, have a slightly cooler temperature, 80, 85 degrees when you're, when you're drinking that. So it's less astringent. So even something as simple as the, the typical tea drinking in, in the UK is lots of decisions to be made. A lot of decisions. Well, I'll always put a tea bag in the, in, in, in the cup. I am now two spoons fan, so I, I will usually use their tea bag. Um, but then um, with that, I'll use whole milk. Whole milk. It just gives a little bit more richness to the tea. Mm-hmm. You know? But you know, as a, you know, you get a builder's tea, don't you? As a really kind of stand your spoon up in it, three sugars and a splash of milk. And, and, um, but I used to have a girlfriend who would say to me, don't squeeze the bag because I can taste it in the tea. So I used to experiment with it sometimes. I used to make the tea and then squeeze it, and she'd go, you squeezed the bag, didn't you? How could she tell whether or not I squeezed the bag or not? I mean, it's like, so everybody has their way of drinking tea, don't they? There's a ritual behind it, and I think Giles is right. It really depends on how, almost how you've been brought up to brew tea and to drink tea. And it's fascinating, and it's not just, it's not just green and black tea. It's, you know, within black tea, are you drinking an Assam, or do you do like a Darjeeling, which is like really fruity and has a muscatel flavour. You know, Earl Grey, which which has a you know an added flavour to it, a bergamot, which is very popular in this country. But but I think having travelled the tea world, not just from a production perspective, but also seeing how people do consume tea, it's it's endless. I mean we could spend hours just talking about how how people consume teas. Yeah. What are some of the examples of this tea drinking then around the world? Something that Mark and I have both experienced uh, from our time in India um, is the chai chai culture. So, you know, this would be tea um, that is boiled up in a in a saucepan with milk, maybe half milk, half water, something like that. But then with loads of sugar, so it's really it's you know sweet and 
it's almost sticky. It's got spices in. You might have cardamom. What other? Ginger. Ginger. Um, even pepper sometimes is put in. Um, and, and so the tea leaves will be in the tea. Or in, the tea? It's it's in a saucepan. Yeah. In the in in with the in with the milk. Yeah. In with the water. All boiled it up. It's almost like cooking the tea. Cooking, yeah, okay. cooking, cooking tea. Cooking, cooking. Okay. And and then so we're um, in our we we used to go out and uh, in the office there outside there was a um, a chai walla. So a, a, the guy that ran the tea stall, what he would he would be cooking up this tea and then he'd serve it in these small clay cups called a bar, probably not saying that right, bar, and those would be made uh, early in the morning and then delivered round the city, delivered round Calcutta. The tea would be poured into these, you'd drink your tea, and they'd probably, I mean, probably a, a third of a cup of, of what we would, a third of a mug of tea, the equivalent of a third of a mug of tea, and then after they finished drinking it, they throw the cup into the street and it disintegrates back into the street it's mud it's clay mm. and that process happens sort of you know every every day and it's it's a really it's a, a great way to socialize um you sit around and you'll end up talking to complete strangers mm. who have come and congregated round round the chaiwala another tradition which i love which i'm because i'm a slight glutton is the east frisian tradition where you have they drink very very good assam tea um, and they'll brew it, and then they'll add in the, the Frisian cream, and then a, a, a large lump of crystallised sugar, um, which is called, I think it's called a kluntje, and you would keep drinking that. You'd have your spoon, but you wouldn't stir in the cream. You don't do that. You wait until you've actually had enough of this sweet, creamy liquid, and then you put your stir your spoon in, and that indicates to your host that you're done. You've had you've had enough. You've teed out. So this is your Germany. This is yeah. Um, yeah. And then and then another another really interesting one is um, is in Morocco. So where they they drink a lot of green tea, um, a very sp- a special type of green tea called gum powder, and that you have again lots of sugar and mint. Again, you sit around in the in cafes and, and drink this. We had an unfortunate incident with a supplier who came to visit the office, didn't we, of gunpowder? Do you go remember? On. No, go on. No. Well, we, they were, we were supposed to meet... Um, we, they were suppliers from China, and we had an appointment with them at 11 o'clock. And it got to about 2 o'clock, and they hadn't, they hadn't turned up. So it must have been about 2.30. We got a call from Paris. They'd been held up at Charles de Gaulle Airport um, because on their list of things they brought with them it said gunpowder um so they've been taken aside by the customs officer and they got the interpreter in and eventually sorted sorted out that it was tea and they were sent on their way but it was it was one of those sort of slightly strange um experiences where we ended up having our meeting about sort of five hours later but um yeah i mean that's that's gunpowder and, and North Africa is actually a real, a really big drinker of um, of green tea. Mm. And, so, and and I know that in Tibet they have this sort of yak milk tea, don't they? Yeah, they they. And I think that's that's all about um, uh, adding calorific value to the tea. So yeah. it's it's like almost like a it's yak butter. Yeah. I personally haven't tried that, but I've spoken to people who have, and it's I think it's. It's quite unpleasant it's a bit, for, it's a bit for, for, our, for our taste. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in, in North America, they drink a lot of iced tea. So I mean, tea is drunk 
all over the world in, in different ways. Mark, do you have a, a favourite tea drinking ceremony or, or way that people drink tea that, that, that we don't in the UK? Yeah, I think in, in China, uh, tea is drunk uh, all the time. So when you, when you arrive at a family or, or in an office environment, the first thing that people do is, is give you a glass and it tends to be consumed in a glass. So it's not a, a, a mug or, or even, even China. And, and they'll put some tea leaves into the glass and then everyone carries around these flasks of hot water and they sort of, you know, top up, top up your glass. And there's obviously quite a knack to it because it's quite hot and the tea, the tea leaves aren't strained. So, um, so after a while they might sink to the bottom of the glass. But it, I, think, I think they use the glass because it, it just looks quite beautiful, this sort of unfurling of the leaf. Mm. And, then, and then there are sort of certain rituals within that. So they would say that the first, uh, the first brew is, is sometimes even discarded. So they would then allow the second brew to be the one that, that starts to release um, the right amount of flavour. And they, then they would keep topping up the glass full of, of tea. So that's, that's how it's consumed on a sort of mass basis. But very often, there is a ceremonial uh, nature to it. So um, people would have these small porcelain cups and, uh, and, and almost be trained in how to, to serve tea to guests. Uh, and it is quite fascinating. It's a, a really big part of their... Um, their culture and are these porcelain cups then smashed on the floor afterwards? They aren't because no. they're, they're actually quite expensive. <laughs> yeah. So they're uh, they're used again. Well, I remember I was in Hong Kong and this was a classic one. I went to the restaurant in Hong Kong and they and they sat down and said, "Dear, what would you like to eat?" And I said, "Well, can I have some tea?" And they looked at me like I was an idiot. And I said, "Well, we're going to bring you tea automatically, so don't order tea. We're we're bringing you tea." So culturally in China, your point is that the tea is just embedded. Yes. You don't even ask for it; it's coming. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Okay, so uh, it, it's it's tasted differently all over the world, but mm. you are two tea specialists, you know, and I know that Two Spoons is your company and you're you're producing tea and, and selling it. But as tea specialists, you have to taste it. Yeah. So what do you do in order to taste tea and, and and judge it and then blend it and and what 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 is tea tasting? We couldn't possibly tell you that, Arthur. It's a it's a dark it's a science. Oh, it's a super <laughs> the dark science of tea tasting. <laughs> dark arts. <laughs> um, no, I mean when we when we start as trainee tea tasters, one of the things that we're it's almost like an apprenticeship. You're you're training your palate by tasting. Well, in our case, Charles and mine, we're sort of tasting five hundred to a thousand teas a day, and you're mirroring someone who's got the knowledge of of the teas and the differences in, in them. So you're seeing a real variety of, of different types of tea. 500 to 1,000 teas yes. a day. Cups. So tea, yeah. uh, cups of tea. So is, yeah. it, is it a different leaf every time? Is it a different blend every time? It's a different batch. A so different tea, batch so tea tends to be broken down into um, invoices of tea. And an invoice could be anything between one tonne, 20 tonnes or more. So you're, you're tasting, um, the way tea is, is produced, you're tasting a lot of very different teas to be able to primarily sort out quite a few different things. So by the time the tea reaches the consumer, professional tea tasters like us have sort of weeded out all of the things that can go wrong in the manufacturing process. So um, without becoming too technical, if a tea, for example, is, is over-fired, it would taste burnt. It's almost got a sort of chocolatey uh, character to it or um or it can be bakey and that can be a sort of you know a positive taste but yeah we're, we're, we're tasting huge quantities of tea to be able to um choose the right 
qualities of tea for the blends. And you're also, it's twofold really, you're putting a real value on the quality of the tea, but also a real value on, on how much that tea is worth to your business. So, so that's why you have to taste um, so many teas as and a trainee. We we had a, in fact, a trainee that um, uh, that we trained, who described that tea tasting process like speed dating. So, you're very quickly going along, meeting somebody, tasting that tea, um, and having to make a snap judgment, and ideally making that based on your senses of sight and taste smell comes into it and also feel because what you're doing is you'll look at the leaf you'll look at the liquor you'll feel the liquor the liquor being the the liquid in the cup and one of the one of the training tools we used at the beginning was blind tasting so literally because mark was my he was my senior taster when i when i joined he would give me a blindfold and i'd have to put it on and there'd be six teas uh, on the counter for me to taste and he'd guide me to to the counter and I would then have to taste these six teas and identify either what origin they'd come from either country origin or what region in a particular country or sometimes identify the taint so five good teas one of them's smoky for example which one is it it was I mean it was brilliant because what it did was took away your primary sense you know that primary sense is sight and so often you you make taste with our eyes yeah you 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 make preconceptions as soon as you see something so this this turned that sense off and it was really you had to focus on your 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 taste and and your uh, the the smell so big slurp you took a big slurp and that's what you do when you're tasting the tea um aerates round your mouth and you slurp in to get the oxygen in there and make sure that tea goes into your olfactory sensors as well as your taste buds and then you spit it out. Having had that slurp it's then providing the descriptors and describing the tea and what you're what we're tasting. So I mean it's it's different depending on on the tea you're tasting, on who you're talking to as well and, and you might want be wanting to describe tea to somebody in one of your offices on the other side of the world you need to have a common language but also you might be speaking to people outside of your organization so there is a sort of there's a trade language as well um, to describe teas is this the dark arts you're talking about Mark? absolutely yeah very yeah. much so very much so and then, shorthand but then there's also trying to interpret what the consumer says yeah because you you're quite often you're you're responding to what they say they they'd like. So, oh, I really like a refreshing refreshing cup of tea. Well, what does that what does that actually mean? You know, what does a refreshing cup of tea mean, or what does a strong a strong cup of tea mean? So, you know, is strong about colour? Is strong about how mouthfeel? And there are links between the two. So, uh, very much the languages are about trying to identify those characteristics, convert those into something that people want to drink uh, but also being able to communicate back to the tea estates you know and say well actually your tea that that I'm tasting it's absolutely spot on keep doing this why is it spot on because it's delivering whatever those characteristics are and tastings from a sort of historical context are, are we sometimes battling 
old systems or, or is there a very particular way around tasting because you have to get to a point where you understand a flavour and, and history and, and a depth of knowledge is what you need, a bit like a wine sommelier. Is it the same in tea or is, it, is there modern styles now which are coming out and saying, no, you taste tea in this way? No, I think, um, I think tea will have been tasted. There are differences around the world for sure. But I think um, certainly over the last few decades it's standardised. So there is actually an international standard of how tea is brewed. Uh, I remember when I started tasting tea, it's, it's incredibly strong. You're actually brewing it at about twice consumer strength. Um, and it's brewed in a very particular way. And, and that then allows uh, you, as Charles said, to talk this trade language with people because you know that you brewed the tea in the, in the same way uh, wherever you are. I think, I think one of the... One of the advances has been in some for some of the you know the really big organisations is standardisation across their operations. So um, <clears throat> there's an argument to say if you really want to talk in the same language to your office in Kenya or your office in India, then the light needs to be the same, the water needs to be the same, the brewing needs to be the same. But on the flip side, you know if you're if you're brewing tea. Um, one way in India, but actually that's not the way it's drunk in India, then you're missing the point. So there's arguments both ways. I mean, there are definitely advances in in technology. So, um, for example, things like uh, colour and clarity of tea. So with with a tea you drink without milk, you want it to be very clear. Some teas can go cloudy because because of the um, polyphenol content. But for an iced tea, you don't want a cloudy tea. The way to judge that traditionally has been make it, put it in the fridge, get it out. <laughs> is it cloudy? Yeah. But but actually now there's things you can there's technology you can do that will predict from the leaf, from the dry leaf, whether it's clear, whether it's going to be clear and whether it's it's cloudy. So there are ways of using technology. Mm. And and the, the the great fear is that one day there'll be an electric tongue that puts us all out of a job, which is why we keep saying it's a, a dark art that can't be replicated. I see, I see. But, you know, there's something in... And why taste tea at all? Don't you just pick it, dry it, and put it in a cup? I mean, I, I'm just being real devil's advocate I think, here. I think but, because yeah. it's an agricultural crop and um, it changes on a daily basis. So uh, tea is plucked on a sort of 7- to 14-day round cycle on the tea garden. So, so every day, dependent on the weather and... and you know where you are in the world it changes and and to be able to get the right qualities you need to be able to to understand how it's being um produced um it's it's really critical to the end product to the end blend and and that's what you mentioned at the end there is important because quite often what we're producing is a blend you know what we're tasting we we taste at different points in the process i could be tasting something that's just come in out of the out of a tea factory. I need to put that. I need to be able to categorise that so that my blender is able to use it in different ways. Put together something that is the same week in week out. And, and, and Mark, you said a bit earlier on, and I had to take note on this because we need to talk about flavour profiles because you're obviously tasting, but you're tasting for a reason. And you were saying a bit earlier on that that, that you might have tasted something that's been overfired. So what's this? Is this in the drying process? What, what's going on here? Well, they're, they're obviously the dark arts are going to be Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a memory bank. I mean, a lot can go wrong. I think one of the big differences between tea and coffee, for example, is you're buying with tea a finished product. So on, on the tea garden at Origin, it's been made. 
unlike with coffee where you, you, the raw bean comes across and then it's roasted and, and you can influence uh, coffee with tea it's all done at source or at origin so um, yeah I mean you, you, you have to be able to, to identify uh, what's gone quite often uh, wrong in the manufacturing process very often it goes right mm. but for example um, a burnt tea or a smoky tea uh, if, if, um, if there's a leak in, in the dryer you, you can and you, you can get this in sort of a lot of old factories that that smoke um, actually carries through to the, the, the tea and so you can you can get it's almost like um, that sort of frazzles a smoky bacon type of flavor um, in, in the finished product which um, yeah you you would then either what discount that tea or not be able to use it and and what Mark's just done there is exactly what what we would do to try and remember some of those things so you taste something and you associate it with frazzles. So Mark knows next time he tastes something that tastes like frazzles, mm. that goes with the word smoky. Yeah. And so you do that. I mean, I, I remember tasting Indonesian teas. And for some reason, when I tasted Indonesian teas, they reminded me of that sort of banana milkshake that you had as a kid. Uh, and nobody else thought it tasted like that. But I knew in my blind batches, if I could taste that, if I had that memory of banana milkshake, it was Indonesian. Mm. And you apply those, those memories, but you can't use that when you're talking to a, uh, a planter a colleague in a sound, yeah. because they'll say, banana sense. milkshake, what are you talking about, yeah, Charles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and also, you know, these things are, there's, there's um, graduations of these traits as well. So, you know, actually that firing, you have a scale of biscuity. You know, you can have a biscuity, um, you can have a, burnt tea and then the ultimate is cooked that's really that's really bad but the great thing is if you've got that relationship with the producer the direct relationship with the producer we can then influence that by feeding back and so that's a really important reason for tasting i'm getting a number of 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 points here we talk about overfired smoky uh, this is indicating that there's been some drying or cooking going on. Can you just explain the process? Because you're obviously tasting something in the process that's happened beforehand. So do they dry the leaves in the sun? Do they dry them in an oven? Or how are these leaves dried? Yeah, they're dried. Um, it depends. In, at one end of the scale in China, the leaves are still dried very often in a large wok. There are differences, uh, yeah, there are differences between black and green teas very broadly but there are also differences in in different styles of tea and different styles of manufacture so uh, at the other end of the scale it's quite difficult to to describe but it is like a huge oven so the tea is actually uh, to, to halt what in tea is called oxidization uh, you have to um, heat the tea uh, and that's where on trays on trays in or oven. quite often on the technology is called a fluid bed dryer so so the tea uh, air is being forced up through through the tea and the tea sort of like bouncing like a big oven. Yeah. But, but, but with, with air. With fans, yeah. yeah. At a certain temperature, is it cooked? Is it 100 degrees, 90 degrees, 40 degrees? Is it slowly dry? You, you basically want to dry it so that um, it's got between 3 and 4% moisture content when it leaves, uh, leaves the factory. And it, and it has a, when it leaves that, when it exits the dryer, it's called, it's it's called dryer mouth tea and it is a fantastic smell. It's a, it's, it's, it's a really evocative, evocative smell. And it does just remind you of being, you know, on a on a tea, you know, a tea factory somewhere because that's where you are. But it's it, we haven't really talked about the, the different steps in manufacture. But along the way, lots of things can go wrong. So you know, an old planter once told me, 
you can't make um, a good tea out of bad leaf, but you can make bad tea out of good leaf. Mm. So there's two things there. One, you have to get it right in the field. Just because you've got good leaf, there's still lots of steps along the way that, that can go wrong. And whether that's in the, the withering, whether, whether tea starts to, to soften, soften, whether it's the oxidisation where, where it starts to, to go from green to brown, even, even the, the, the drying and then the sorting, there's lots that can go wrong. And, and that's why we taste it. That's one of the reasons why we taste it. But interestingly, for every, you know, for example, when we're tasting um, some teas for two spoons, we won't we won't necessarily discount um, teas because you know of of our scale. You're you're really you know looking for the best quality that you can find, and that all comes out in tasting. Yes. Yeah. Every kilo of tea, whether we, we whether we think it's right or not, for our our company, wherever tea is. Uh, grown in the world, every kilo of it gets consumed. So although we might say um, we don't like that tea, it hasn't got the, the, quite the right quality, or or there's a problem with it, someone's drinking it somewhere. Hmm. It's not going to waste. Yeah, I mean a good a good example is the that that sort of creaming down that happens when you when you make a, a when you see a really good Assam tea. If you if you make it and um, leave it. It'll, it'll start going cloudy, which is a sign of quality because it means there's these theoflavins, these polyphenols that, that all influence the taste of the tea. We want that in our Assam tea. But if you're selling that same tea to somebody in America who's drinking iced tea and they see that cloudy tea, they're going to say, this is no good. This is not good tea. So, I mean, it's a bit... Yeah, it's horses it's a, for courses. It's a bit yeah. trite, but it's beauties in the eye of the beholder. What is it that you're actually looking for? And different markets want different things. And, and you'll work to the market that you're trying to sell to. So as a tea taster, you'll say, well, this is, what, this is the tea I like, um, but this is also perhaps the tea that the culture of tea drinkers around me wants yeah. for me to sell to them. And, so, and that's what tasting does. Sort of. I mean, I mean the, the real... The real skill of the tea taster is to stay objective and not say this is what I want is literally just to look at it and grade it at face value and then you work out what's the where's the best place for that afterwards you know you say actually that's got really really black leaf in the UK black leaf is is not that important because it it goes into a, a tea bag but my the market in Pakistan who's drinking it loose and seeing this tea in the bazaar and seeing this fantastic black leaf that's perfect for them. So the, the trick is being objective, I think. And I might, I might really value a delicious tea from Darjeeling. It's got a flavour of muscatel grapes and, and it's delicate and, and delicious. But when you, when you actually brew it and drink it, it almost looks like um, white paint. It's you know, really delicate and light. And, and someone might look at that and think, wow, that's, uh, you know, did you put any tea in? Mm. But, but the flavour that comes through from that is just phenomenal. So I think if we're honest, one of the reasons we set up Two Spoons was so that we could drink and buy the teas that we like tasting, mm. not just everything that's, that's out there. Um, and, yeah. I th- and I think in the, tea, in the tea world, tea tasters will have their own favourites. Mm. You know, they'll have... The, someone might particularly like a second flush of Sam and tea seasonal. So you get... You get different qualities as you go through seasons. Yeah, I can't emphasise enough that the variety within 
the tea world and the types of tea is immense mm. and and everyone's got their favorites and I think sometimes that is reflected in the price of the tea so it might be a, a scarcity factor or it might be a quality factor but quite often you know what we would consider to be a bright sparkling depth of flavor cup will not always but most of the time demand a higher price in the marketplace and that's and that's another interesting point because you know we're we're tea buyers and blenders um, but there there is a, a role within the tea trade which is brokers who will evaluate all the tea that's being offered and they'll taste it because what they'll they will give a valuation on tea before it goes to auction which is the way the majority of tea is sold around the world and what's lovely to hear is that you have flavor profiles uh, you go from banana milkshake to muscat grapes uh, what flavour profiles did, did ring the bells? I mean, let's spend a little bit of time about understanding the flavour profiles because you're tasting a tea, you've got your spoons here. I can see two beautiful silver spoons with your names engraved with them, hence the name of the company. But, but more the fact that they're used to both taste the tea that you're drinking and you're then setting off profiles, flavour profiles, muscat grapes, banana milkshakes. What else do you get in there? Everything, oh, raspberry jam? Yes, I mean, it's infinite really. You. you Raspberry jam that you mentioned is, is particular to some estates in Assam. Um, and when you, it's that association. So when you first taste it, you might not get it. Someone's telling you that it's raspberry jam, and then, you, then it clicks. And then wh- wherever you are in, in the tea world, you will know that character, and you'll know it's from Assam. And quite often, you'll even know which garden it's from. So you really do become um, you know, yeah. very expert at it. Yeah, I mean... Um, I mean, there are some obvious ones. Uh, Sri Lanka, for example, you get um, citrusy. Uh, at high grown. At high grown, yeah. So, so there's a category of um, uh, growth which they, they say low, medium, high grown. So I think it's over 4,000 feet is categorized as, um, as a high grown mm. estate. And you get a very citrusy flavor. Whereas, I, I mean, I, again, when I was training I was given responsibility for a very a very small region uh, for small small origin which was Brazil H- hardly produces any tea which I think is why you know, I was given responsibility but but this but it had a character that, that we coconut. describe as coconutty yeah. like a coconutty oh. a coconutty flavor um, delicious, and uh, um, it's um, it's yeah there's so there's all sorts of different uh, um, different flavour profiles. I would really like to go into the steps towards tea, the manufacturing, the drying, the colours and everything, but I think we'll do that in our next episode. Yeah. Um, so for now, this has been Put the Kettle On with Mark and Giles from Two Spoons. I'm Martha Potts Dawson, this is Food FM. Uh, join us next time with Put the Kettle On for Steps Towards Tea. And we're also going to be talking about inspiring young tea blenders and tea tasters to get into the business. So. Um, Mark and Giles, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks, Arthur. Speak to you soon. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.